to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me, as always, is co-host Steve Mez. If it's your first time listening, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself has been offering news notes and analysis to fans on social media since 2014. So go ahead and pull those belts tight and hang on as we throw the green flag on our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Hollywood Casino 400 this past weekend at Kansas Speedway. Steve, welcome back to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. Hey, how you doing, Adam? Ah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, I'm feeling pretty average, and I feel like uh, we had a pretty average day at Kansas, but it was a good points day, definitely, when it comes to this uh, race to get into the round of 12 in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs for uh, the 12 team. Can a, can a top 10 feel not feel like a top 10? It, it's really kind of weird. It, yeah, like, it is. <laughs> it's a top 10. It's a top 10. In, in this round of the playoffs, compared to what some of the other teams have done in the first two weeks, it's a really good finish just didn't feel like it for some reason yeah and obviously we'll, we'll go through this and uh, ryan picked up some pretty decent stage points throughout the race and yeah obviously he comes back to finish into the top 10 um but yeah it just wasn't uh kansas was one of those places where we, we thought you know team penske has been pretty good there in the past and they were uh pretty good here uh it's you can't uh you can't deny that this race but um other events overshadowed it and actually made things pretty exciting and uh i think made things pretty exciting for nascar on the national landscape mm-hmm. in the end but um and the racing was was pretty good kansas is like homestead and like honestly like a lot of the mile and a half tracks this year uh the racing has been pretty good with this next gen car even though the car itself has been beat up a little bit over the past couple of weeks uh but nobody caught fire this week so that yeah. is a good thing <laughs> No loose, loose, loose tires falling off uh, lately, which is, you know, real good too, because they, they don't have to tow them all the way back around the track and off, nothing like that. So yeah, they're getting better. Um, and the fire thing, I think will go away now with some of the announcements from last week where they're, they're going to make some alterations to the cars and uh, try to keep, um, the problem from happening, hopefully. So I think we should jump into our recap uh, because we do coming up in this episode have a very special guest in Leah Reeves, the daughter of uh, Sprint Car Hall of Famer Dale Blaney, the cousin to Ryan, Emma and Aaron Blaney, who's going to come on to the Team Blaney podcast and talk about the upcoming Alzheimer's Association walks uh, that the foundation is supporting. Uh, So stay tuned because that's going to come up a little bit later in this episode. But for now, let's jump into that recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Hollywood Casino 400 this past week at Kansas Speedway. Um, Saturday, uh, they, they're in group a, which somehow this week I haven't looked yet, but hopefully they get to group B. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but the last month or so, if you're in group a, you're slower, you just are group B, uh, has a chance to work on things and, uh, seem to get, uh, a better read off what happens in group a, and they just always seem to be faster for some reason. So, um, 15 minutes into practice, this fifth fastest, it was only like a one point or 0.12 back of the lead. So pretty close. Uh, the 20 car was leading in group A there. Um, they, they talk about they almost brushed the wall once or twice. Uh, decided to try and run a high line there. Um, 
it was like only one second of fall off in about 30 laps there. And they run the whole practice. Yep. Uh, they do at the end, they do, you know, do a pit pit entry at the end, but 33 laps run. I think one of the top guys with laps run. Um, and well, we mentioned that they've been doing this yeah. almost every week, unless there's a really significant problem they diagnose in the first five laps. Uh, the 12 team pretty much tries to run every lap possible, I guess, to see what, kind of a long run is going to set up for that first stage of the race. Not only that, but um, we've noticed that when they've had something that they had to fix, they fixed it. They come in, they do it, they fix it. And like you said, within two or three laps. Um, But when they do this, um, don't get in a panic about where they are on the stat sheets, because um, even Ryan says in his post post comments, um, post qualifying comments that they had a good balance. And when you hear good balance, especially at the, the bigger tracks, uh, what's what they're working on is be able to work in more than one lane and be able to pass somebody. And, um, you know, as this race goes on, we'll see that they actually have a lot of that. So, so don't panic, you know, even if they don't make the top 10 in the qualifying, don't panic. And, um, you know, the, um, they, it's when it comes to qualifying here that they talk a lot, Josh talks a lot with Ryan about what line guys are running before Ryan goes out, you know, because there's, there really is multiple places to gain or lose on, on this lap. Um, it's not just hold it wide open and, and pick a certain line. So it gets to be kind of interesting there. Um, Ryan says he got a little bit tight, um, you know, so he tells them to adjust to the number. So if they go make it to the, make it to the final part, but, uh, they end up sixth in group a. It's close and, too. Yeah, really, really close. Really close. And, and once again, though, um, group B compared to group A, this is the other thing. Um, you know, they put all the combined times together. So when he doesn't make the, the final 10, uh, his time goes against both group A, group, group B and group A's times go together. He and down. he comes down, he was all the way to 17th because the guys in group A or group B, I'm sorry, were much faster. You know, the guys who finished sixth, seventh, eighth were just much faster. So he starts 17th. Um, you know, the eight car wins the pole here. Um, and the 22 um, ends up second and the two ends up eighth. They both make it. You know, once again, though, this, this whole thing with what group you're in and, and so forth helps. Um, but truthfully, like I said, the, you know, the comments in the, in his, uh, he puts out a little blurb, usually a little, uh, a video post qualifying, and he wasn't worried at all. If you looked at it and what he, what he said was, Hey, we got good balance, uh, like what we did in practice. So generally they know how they're going to fire off and start the race and, uh, you know, they choose uh, pit stall 27, uh, which has the 10 car in front of him and opening behind him, which is pretty cool. Seemed like it was going to be a really good stall. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to worry about going around anybody. Um, the stages were 80, 165, 267, uh, competition caution at lap 25. Um, I got the 10 and the 47 end up having to go to the rear for their issues that they had. Um, and the competition caution happens because for, the third or fourth week in a row, um, at least one national series race was affected by rain. The, mm-hmm. the, actually the NASCAR Xfinity series race was essentially a race to the halfway point that Noah Gregson actually won a second race in the row, yeah. uh, but it washed out the rest of the day Saturday. So the, the, the rest of the Xfinity race was washed out and the ARCA race was washed out. Um, so the other thing too, is that means when um, the cup cars hit the track, 
there was also fresh Arca rubber on the track from that morning's makeup race too. So um, I don't like competition cautions, but um, when they have some instances like this, they're going to implement it. Yeah. Um, So right off the get go here, you know, within a lap or two, he's up to 16. um, And uh, by lap three, he's passing uh, the 14 up to 15th by lap four passes the three. He's up to 14th. At uh, lap seven, he passes. He gets a twofer. Yep. Seven, 17 and 24 up to 12. Uh, I love, uh, you know, we hear uh, Josh go, uh, nice job, bud, you know. Um, and at uh, lap 13, he passes the 99. He's up to 11th. Um, at lap 20, Jonathan and uh, Josh are actually discussing where Ryan's running versus the wall. Um and then Ryan chimes in with getting too loose, uh, give me a number all the way around. So, um, you know, the, the high line is the line everybody wants to run as the race goes on. And, you know, as it gets rubbered in, they're going to go up there. Um, and it's a matter of being too loose when you're up there, you know, so you're not wiggling the back end and into the wall. So they, they're talking all these things because they know that comp caution's coming up lap 25. Um, he's an 11th at that point. Uh, they come in 11th, come out 10th. Uh, the 19 car had a penalty. Uh, they made a rear error pressure adjustment and here we go with the choose cone here. The leader taking the top, Ryan takes the bottom, um, and they restart lap 31 and he's up to seventh. The restarts get a little crazy. Really and, could restart here. And yeah, you kind of went right. back and forth on restarts this, this week, but you're right. It was kind of insane. And a lot of guys want to be up top, but there's a couple of times here where Ryan did choose the bottom and did make some gains, but you know, thinking of where he started this race to where he's at after just, you know, just over 25 laps. Um, mm-hmm. I was a little bit, uh, a little bit excited on the inside. I wasn't showing it on the outside just yet, but mm-hmm. I was like, man, we might have some, might have some speed here. Yeah. Now that lap 34 of the four crashes and Ryan avoids this and not only avoids it, but he passes some people as he's doing it and gets a lot of people. Up to third. <laughs> yeah. He so, got really, uh, really lucky to not be collected in this. Right. Um, but man, uh, the four car two weeks in a row here, he's, he's basically in a must win situation when they go to Bristol, yeah. one of his historically better tracks, but a uh, rough couple of weeks for Kevin Harvick uh, when it comes to uh, finishes though. Um, the stuff that he's been doing outside of the car has actually has made some progress though. So, um, up and down a couple of weeks for Harvick for sure. Yeah. On the choose here, the leader of the eight takes the top, Ryan takes the top, um, they restart lap 39, gets a good push from the 45 all the way up to second. At um, lap 44, I took a note he was getting closer to the eight. He was starting to reel him in a little bit. At uh, lap 52, um, he tells uh, Jonathan he'd still like to be a little bit tighter. Um, at lap 58, he's uh, 0.877 back of the lead. Um, he's just trying to take care of the rear tires. Uh, and at lap 66, the eight blows the right front and, uh, right in front of Ryan, Ryan goes around him, takes the lead. Um, this was really reminiscent of early in the season. And I think it actually did come out, you know, during the race or after the race that they were being very aggressive on air pressure. And with this car, if you are aggressive on air pressure, it will make the car very fast. So the eight was the class of the field for the first, you know, 40, 50 laps there. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's a price to pay, and unfortunately for them, they blew that tire, and and that ended their day. And uh, 
I'm glad, you know, I'm glad we're not seeing a lot of that early in the season. We were seeing a, just a, a ton of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think most of the teams have learned their lessons uh, going forward. So, but unfortunately for the eight, they were out of the race. Yeah, no, they, they, uh, they do pit at this point and um, some things get kind of messed up with the three car here takes two tires. So first off, he, <clears throat> excuse me, he beats a bunch of guys off pit road. I think the 20 and the one also. So Ryan is fourth coming off pit road here. And um, the scary part is when these guys take two tires, sometimes you got to find your way around them on the restarts too, you know? Uh, so P4 for the cone, the leader takes the top, Ryan takes the top. And, uh, you know, they restart lap 70, the 20 actually takes the lead and Ryan gets himself all the way to second. Um, there's some things said on the radio within the next couple laps that deal with the 20 car. Now, the best part about, how I'm watching these races now is the in-car audio or in-car um, camera, not audio, but in-car camera. Um, what the 20 does is really kind of tricky and it's going to get him in trouble at some point if he ke- continues to do it because he literally does block. Yeah. And Ryan hits him once or twice and, but he doesn't hit him enough to send them. And Ryan actually backs off as he does it. Ryan could send him and it's going to get to a point where they're, you know, if we get a little later in the playoffs where, you know what, just go ahead and send him because, um, he did. I mean, he just, Ryan had a run and normally early in a race like this, the smart guy will get out of the way. I don't want to, I guess I'm calling the the 20 car. Not so smart. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like he's almost gone to the, the Joey Logano school where there was a point in Logano's career and he, um, you know, does not uh, back down from this. There's a point in his career where he just stopped being nice and decided he was going to drive aggressively 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's odd that this is coming uh, from a driver in the 20 car as well that Logano Mm -hmm. used to drive back in the day. Um, But Christopher Bell over the past couple of weeks has made some folks a little bit angry. And I think it might just be, he's come into these playoffs. He's been overlooked since, you know, some strong runs they had earlier in the year. And I feel like, you know, they've just come in and said, I'm going to be aggressive 100% of the time. I don't care. Maybe it's almost the, the, now it's maybe the, the Ross Chastain mentality. Mm-hmm. And um, you saw this last week where, you know, he got um, our amigo from Mexico, Daniel Suarez vowing that he's going to yeah. get the 20 car back for some contact on the track. So I think the a switch has just been flipped with that team and um, they're doing what they think is best for them. But you do see throughout this run, Ryan get a little bit frustrated and it was really good. Like you said, to have the in car for this sequence for sure. It, it um it, it totally changes how I watch a race and I will actually miss some things that happen on the TV side of things a little bit sometimes because I'm following, um, what's happening, uh, with Ryan's in car. Um, you know, the, they, uh, they get to the end of the stage here and the 20 wins the stage. And what we say one more thing about the 20 is, um, you know, he's, he's locked himself into the next round already without yep. a win. So we can pick on him for what, you know, what we're saying, cause it affected our driver. But the truth is, is whatever he's doing, it's working. That's why I said, I mean, they're um, doing what's best for them. And if yeah. he, at this point, you gotta be selfish and um, it, it's working. Cause nobody, I don't think anybody saw them 
taking over the points lead. When's the last time people talked about Christopher Bell? Uh, but now they're talking about Christopher Bell. So like you said, whatever's happening is working. And like I mentioned, having the in-car for this sequence, uh, Ryan goes up um, during or just after the, yeah. the checkers fall for this and gives uh-huh. him a shot. Gives him a shot, kind of and, know. And it continues. I don't know if you noticed this as well, and you'll talk about the pit stops. It continues on pit road after um, but the 20 comes out in front of Ryan on this mm-hmm. stop and Ryan is hammering his bumper yeah. uh, the halfway down pit road until yeah. they, they get yeah. to the exit. So um, he was sending a message. Yeah. Uh, one thing we really have, we're glossing over here is the, the end of the stage and Ryan finished second, second, huge, second, huge stage points right off the bat. Um, once again, we're doing a good job the first two weeks here of making sure we get our points when we can get them. Um, and uh, the pit second come out third. Um, the 34 took two tires on the sequence. So he's the guy that actually popped himself up in there. It wasn't a bad stop or anything as far as that goes, except um, there is some, some issue with, uh, with the, I think it's right front. Um, so they, they go ahead and bring it back in. Uh, Ryan says, uh, this is kind of cool. Cause he says, uh, sure. Hope we can recover. Jonathan says, uh, we have no choice. And Ryan says 10, four. So right away, it just lock back in. You know what? This is what we got to do. We took care of it. We come back in. We're going to just go ahead and drive forward and, and do the things we need to do. And, you know, this is the beginning of stage two. And by the end of stage two, you know what? He gets there. So um, they restart 32nd tail end longest line because of the coming back in and um, restarts at lap 86 all the way up to 30th by lap 89. Um, he is up to 24th when we get that caution for the 23 car. So already moving on up, uh, they stay out here. Uh, the 19s leader at this point, taking the top on the restart. Ryan's up to 23rd, takes the top. Then the restarts at lap 96. Uh, he's up to 20th already, uh, you know, within the lap. Uh, moving lap, quickly. Yeah. Lap hundred passes the 43 up to 19th lap. 103 up to 18th lap. 104. Passes the 99 is up to 17th um, at lap 111. We get the 47 um, in the wall with caution. Um, and, and he was running like second too at yeah, that time. Yeah, He's having a really there. strong run and gets the wall. But Stenhouse is one of those guys that will push the limits here. And you're talking about uh, people trying to run the wall and sometimes it bites you. Yeah. Um, they picked in 16th and I got him 13th coming here for the choose coming around. So, um, the 24 takes the top, Ryan takes the top, the restart lap 115, And we get a caution pretty much right away here for the, was it the 21, the seven, the 43 and 10 are all involved here. Um, probably the biggest so, crash of the day. Yeah. And, um, so I believe they stay out here. Um, and restart at lap 120 and with 48 leading and he gets all the way up to 10th at that point at uh, lap 124 he passes the one car to ninth at 127 he passes the five car to eighth um at 139 we get caution for the 18 and uh, this tire situation here they have to they put the scuffs on at this point because they want to make sure they've got fresher tires for later um comes in eighth comes out ninth um the choose the 48 takes the bottom ryan takes the bottom here the restart lap 144 uh with the 48 leading uh, ryan gets a great restart gets up to sixth um at lap 146 he's back to seventh as the 45 passes him 
uh, lap 149, the, the 22 is blocking everyone I have here in my notes. Uh, <laughs> uh, he causes some people to have to be two and three wide behind him trying to get around him. Uh, Ryan's in eighth at this point, <clears throat> lap 155, the five car passes Ryan, Ryan's ninth. And then um, at lap 165, the 48 wins the stage, but Ryan finishes ninth. So here we go. We got, you know, we got had our adversity. We fought through it. We got uh, stage points out of it. So, you know, now it's just, can we get through the rest of the other eight cars in front of you from here on out? Um, I was a little concerned seeing him slip back a little bit there. He was on the scuff. So initially I thought, well, maybe not everybody was on the scuff tires, but um, it seemed like a majority kind of were. So I wasn't, I was a little concerned, wasn't as concerned. I was, you know, really happy considering there's a point in the stage where uh, the 12 teams running 32nd. Um, but through a, a various ways, they made their way all the way back up that last pit stop. Um, you know, we've talked about the pit crew having that one mistake early. They've lost a spot, gained a spot here or there all day. That last pit stop going into that stage, they gained three positions yeah. and then he has a great restart. So, yeah. So, um, the Ryan says too loose here. He wants the number tighter. Uh, they pit ninth, they come out ninth, uh, the 48's taking the, uh, the bottom Ryan takes the top here restart lap 172 um he sorts it all out to eighth at lap 174 is up to seventh um a lot of racing here we'll have some 178 with the 11 car forever uh, it was just yeah, side just, by side back yeah, and a lot, forth a lot of good stuff now this might play out but i was concerned at this point that maybe that was that he's using you, you hear about drivers using up their stuff mm-hmm. um they battled pretty hard for a long time yeah they get um we're here lap 181 the the 22 actually you know he passes the 22 gets to sixth here but like i say still messing around with the uh, the 11 car passes him a couple laps later he's the seventh um at lap 197 he tells them he needs tightened up a bit more uh lap 201 this is when the 45 takes the lead and uh you know he just drives up and takes it so there's a lot to be said for balance but then there's a lot to be said for a car that's just you know on a rail there was a point earlier you mentioned earlier i think in the last stage where uh you said ryan was six and then the 45 passed him that was like one of the key moments in the race and i think uh the broadcast talked about this and we've heard it since then um that bubba had basically said you know if i can get this car into the top five i'm gonna win this race and that was that sequence where you know he passes ryan i think he passes his way up into the top five um they have a they have a good pit stop and as you said, mm-hmm. once the 45 took the lead, you could tell that they were the class of the field. Yeah. So lap 208, uh, Ryan's in eighth at this point at lap, uh, 211, he passes the 19 gets the seventh. <clears throat> then at 215, the green flag pitting starts. Um, the, they pit at lap 216 and I wrote a question mark, just waiting on fuel because, <clears throat> uh, knowing a number of laps and what they need to do to get to the end. You know, sometimes they, like I said, these pit stops, you're looking at the tires and then the Jack, but the reality is, is they sometimes they have to wait for the fuel. So uh, they didn't really on this one. I think as soon as they got their tires, they dropped it and went. Um, one thing to tw- note, I think with this stop too, was um, in comparison, the, the week prior at Darlington, they were among the first guys to come down pit road in that stop specifically that happened right before the four car caught on fire. Mm-hmm. They waited a while in this sequence to come mm-hmm. down pit road, not as long as a couple other guys do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they seem like they a waited lap, a little a, bit toward the lap, end of it. A lap or two later. Yeah. Or, yeah. But they weren't, they weren't the first this time. So no, 
um, lap 220, the 99 still hasn't pitted yet. So they're kind of waiting to cycle, uh, by lap 225 though. Um, it all cycles out. Ryan's in ninth and the 45 is leading, um, but lap 262, uh, Ryan brushes the wall. Um, once again, if you got the in car, you know, this, but, uh, you know, or you hear about it on the radios, but TV, you know, he's not, well, they're not going to cover him at this point. He's, no. running, he's running ninth. So, uh, lap 267 is the, the 45, uh, 45 winning. And, um, Ryan finishes ninth. He says on the radio, not a bad day. Keep on rolling. And, um, definitely that's the part we have to take from, uh, from this whole thing. Uh, uh but, uh, you know, ninth in the stage, ninth overall, second and first stage. So a lot of good points. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but definitely want to congratulate Bubba. Um, you know, I owe him a beer still from the, <laughs> last, from the last time I, I had actually talked to him at one point, uh, one night, um, out and about, but, uh, uh, this wind reminded me of when Ryan won Atlanta, uh, the same way. Um, he, he, there's no BS with it. He, he went up, he had the best car. He drove through the field. He got there, he passed the guy and then went through a green flag pit cycle too. And then held everybody off, maintained his lead. Didn't really, I mean, Denny, they made a little bit of drama on TV of Denny kind of catch, but Denny wasn't catching him. And even they had the Bubba radio where he told everybody not to shut up, but I got this, you know, don't, yeah. don't quit, quit, quit pester me. I'll look at my rear view camera when I need to or whatnot, but um, but that was the, what it reminded me of reminded me of Ryan at Atlanta when he passed Larson, same thing. He got, he had the better car. He went and used it. He got past the guy and then he checked out. And, um, that's a maturity thing with the, you know, somebody learning how to drive consistent laps and, uh, Bubba's definitely showing, uh, how good he is. And, uh, you know, I, I was pretty, pretty happy for the guy, you know, having, having watched the race all these years, the best part of the whole sequence with him winning. And I was nervous uh, what was going to happen in the post-race interview um, is, you know, they, he, he goes up, uh, shake the, the flagman's hand. And I think he gave the flag back up into the stands. Um, I didn't know what the reaction was going to be. We've been at a lot of races this year. Uh, we've done a lot of the pre-race experiences to be down there for uh, the driver intros and things. And if anybody's been to a race, they know that there's, you know, a handful of drivers out there, Logano, Bush, uh, Kyle Bush and Bubba that get, booed pretty heavily at most tracks not all the tracks um i was worried but the reception from the crowd at kansas i heard overwhelming cheers um i know there's a lot of you know blaney fans out there it's probably even chase elliott fans out there that were really happy to see this win uh our discord server which uh, there's a, sometimes a lot of fickle people in there that mm -hmm. that aren't always seeing everything on the positive light we're all cheering essentially for for bubba uh they knew what this win kind of meant for him um i know i mean people you know tried to discredit his rain shortened win at talladega because of the rain and all that stuff you know you know dozens of guys have won cup races that way and no one's really questioned that um, I know in Bubba's heart, though, he felt maybe felt the same way. Mm -hmm. But as you said, there's a lot of things that they did right. They went up and passed the leader to take that lead. They went through a green flag pit stop sequence and were perfect with their pit stop and came out with the lead and checked out. They held off Denny Hamlin, uh, who is, you know, his boss, but also one of the best drivers in NASCAR who got out of his car and said, if you think you're going to drive for me and I'm going to let you win you know, you, you need to go somewhere else. So yeah, yeah, he, um, was he was trying to chase him. So it's uh, it was really, really great to hear all those cheers for Bubba. 
Um, I know he caused a stir by doing the 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 silence uh, photo, but I think that was kind of a callback to his other co-owner and Michael Jordan, who used to do that after he hit a big shot. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people posting those side-by-side photos on Twitter yeah. with him yeah. silencing the haters. Um, and I think Bubba deserves it. This is a guy that wakes up every day, gets on social media, and is just destroyed by you know a, a, a portion of the fan base. Not everybody, but they're loud. And I think you know, in this moment of victory, in this moment of dominance mm-hmm. of a race, he deserved to have his chance to, to silence those haters. And um, they maybe weren't as loud as they've been in the past, but there were, there was still some out there um, to me. It's it's, and we could talk about this. I know I was like, yeah, maybe we should shy away from it, but it was almost comical seeing some of these folks that, um, and now it's different. If you, if you're like a Ford guy and a Chevy guy, and you don't like Bubba because he drives a Toyota. That's great. We know that there's a big chunk of people out there that don't like Bubba for other reasons. Um, but it was comical seeing those people try to reach. Oh, that's it's only because the you know he was driving Kurt's chassis from earlier in the year, which from what I understand is true. Who cares? Um, oh, it's because Kurt gave them a setup. They brought Kurt Busch to this 2311 racing team on purpose to help with setups to better the team. It's great that if Kurt had input on the setup, it worked <laughs> like that was the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know, uh, Denny let him laid over and, and let him. Denny was trying his best to get out there. There's SMT data out there that's available to the teams. Um, and it probably would have leaked already if, if people were noticing in the data that Denny was letting off. There's a point in that where he was trying to chase him down that Denny got loose and almost hit the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a guy that's trying. And Denny's in a championship hunt himself. He gets that victory. He automatically moves on, gets another five playoff points. You think that that's something he's going to do just to let somebody else win? Yeah. I don't think so. But to me, it was almost comical trying to see these people trying to come out of the woodwork and discredit him. And I think luckily there was a lot of people almost, you know, out screaming them, which was really, really good to see with, with cheers and positivity for, for this win, the second Cup Series win for Bubba Wallace. You know, having, having met him, like I said, for a brief moment or two, at one point, um, you know, he's a good guy. He just is. And the, the, the people who, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. I mean, that was something I grew up with, you know, um, it's, it's, that seems to have gone away with social media. I guess everybody's hiding, you know, behind the keyboard, they can say whatever they want. And that's really sad because, why are you trying to take something away from somebody? What, what's, what's your problem? What, who hurt you as a child um, that made you act that way? Um, because the truth is, is if you're watching the sport and you're cheering for certain things, you, you know what, you got to be happy for the guy. Um, he went out and dominated a race and he's been pretty good the last month or two uh, with that equipment, you know, Michigan, he, you know, he tell you, you know, but he wears his heart on his sleeve. And I've listened to him on a couple podcasts where, you know, um, he, he'll tell you about the mistakes he's made and he'll tell you that he's trying to better himself with as, you know, certain types of, of things with racing or, or, or his personality or whatnot, you know, uh, he doesn't hide from any of that, that stuff. And he, you know, if you, if you listen and you just, you know, don't, you know, you know, if you just listen, you'll hear 
that he's, he's who he is, you know, and uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy the fact that he's not afraid to say something, you know, he gets out the car and, and says something to the extent of uh, what he, what he, what are people going to say now, you know, because they can't say anything anymore. You know uh, he's won a bunch of races in all the other series. And now he's won more than one in, in the cup series and I see more of them to come. So I'm happy for him. Ryan, you know, it, it, like I said, I, it, what amazed me is the fans of Ryan who all of a sudden didn't like him. And I was like, oh, how do you get from there to there? Yeah. If, you're fan, <laughs> if you're a fan of Ryan and you like Ryan and what he does and says, Ryan's best friends with this guy. And it's obviously okay for Ryan, you know, why isn't it okay for you? And, uh, you know, like you said, we weren't really going to talk about it, but we got to kind of got to do it here. And it just, it says a lot to me about a person when, um, somebody wins any sport and all of a sudden you're picking it apart to try and try and discredit what happened. Um, that says a lot about you, you know, what happened to you that makes you act like that or be that way, you know, guy earned it. He was out there. He didn't cheat. Nothing goofy happened. Uh, this has nothing to do with any kind of like situation. He drove the car better than the other 36 guys and uh, he won the race. Yeah. And as you said, he's on a hot streak right now. I think yeah. I looked up the stats uh, when I was trying to uh, engage with some folks that were doing their best to discredit anything they could. And if, I, I might not be hundred percent accurate, but I think in the last eight races, he has six top tens, including four top fives and this victory. Um, so, you know, he's having, you know, a career stretch. He didn't make the playoffs for the driver's championship. Obviously everybody knows they moved him over to the 45 number, uh, to compete in the owner's championship. And guess what folks it's working. They just it's, advanced to the, the next, the next round. round. <laughs> so if anybody questioned why they made that move, you're seeing that right now, because he is the hot hand right now at 2311 racing. And he's giving them the best opportunity to compete, uh, for that owner's championship. Um, so from us here, Team Blaney Podcast, we congratulate you. We salute you, Bubba Wallace, on your second career victory uh, in the NASCAR Cup Series. And I think that was the eighth overall victory uh, between trucks and Cup. So um, congratulations, to, congratulations to you and the 45 team, Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan. Uh, Booty Barker, too, worth noting. Oh, uh, yes. Booty Barker, this is really great to see. A former crew chief for Dave Blaney when he was with the 77 in Jasper Motorsports. Uh, I enjoyed the fact that somebody put some stats up there on Booty where all those years, you know, I mean, he struggled with, I mean, they just didn't have the equipment with Jasper. Uh, they had some moments of, of greatness, but um, Booty in all those years with all of those kind of lower budget teams, you know, and just a handful of top tens and, and top fives. And then just in his time with Bubba Wallace over like the last about year and a half, because he didn't come on with yeah. Bubba until uh, like toward the fall last year. Mm -hmm. Um two victories, a ton of, you know, ton of top fives, a ton of top tens, and they definitely have that team heading in the right direction. Um, so congratulations to them. I think now it's time for us to break out uh, your famous uh, playoff grid that we have out here, your, your playoff big board. And we talked a little bit about um, before this podcast, or maybe even at the, at the start of the podcast on the fact that it, you know, Brian gets a top 10, and it just felt kind of weird. Like, oh, we weren't super excited about it. Uh, he got some great stage points. And, you know, the thing that I'm realizing that maybe is in the back of our mind is the fact that 
they can operate like this in this first round of the playoffs, they can maybe operate like this in the second round of the playoffs, but there is going to come a point when just good stage points and decent finishes Mm -hmm. aren't going to get you to Phoenix. Right. Yeah. As you go from 12 to to eight or, and really from eight to four, that's, that's where it's going to matter big time. Uh, First off, I want to thank my wife, the lovely Kate for um, doing the, the board this week, the, um, the first, uh, the first lady of NASCAR podcasting. She's, uh, I thought it looked a little bit cleaner. Yes, it does. It's much better handwriting and, uh, yeah, exactly. It looks a lot cleaner and, uh, well put together. Um, but yeah, uh, from last week to this week when we, you know, comparison wise, you now Ryan's already moved up a spot or two above some other people. And that 36 point margin is enough where one or two good stages and he'll be locked in. Uh, what is the number they need to be like 50, if you get to like 50 points or something like that above the cut line, that's usually where, where they're in good shape. Cause if you look the 20, uh, uh, the 20 car has locked himself in, um, and he's done it with just two good finishes, you know, like we said, who saw that coming? I think he's the only one, the only one locked in, uh, because first two races of this round have been won by non playoff, uh, drivers. So, but 20 car has, uh, and accumulated enough points there as we're showing here 50 point 58 points to the good yeah uh, so they're the only ones going into bristol that uh don't have to worry at all yeah and we you know we, we're we, as you go down the list uh the cut line is the is the interesting point um and I, so tight say, yeah i wouldn't say that chastain's out of the woods but a 26 point margin you know, should be able to maintain if he stays within a certain number of points uh, above or around those guys below him. But, uh, you know, the, the total bottom there, Kevin Harvick is in a must win pretty much. Um, but anybody uh, from there between, uh, the 99 car to the 14 car, any of those six guys can go any direction <laughs> depending on stages and the end of the race and staying out of wrecks. I mean, right now you, you know, you're in the green, if you're in the green, yeah, you look good, but, uh, five, six, seven. Okay. So seven spots there can drop you down from, you know, there to below. And, um, it's crazy that you have former champions (laughs) below the cut line right now with the 18 and the four car. And the thing to watch for is those, those two former champions, the 18 and the four, um, historically Bristol has been one of their base best racetracks across all the series from trucks to Xfinity, uh, to cup uh, Kevin Harvick and Kyle Bush have been, you know, masters at Bristol Bush, obviously won uh, the Bristol dirt race earlier this year. That doesn't really count, but it did, uh, did add to his total of wins at that racetrack. So it would not be surprised to see the 18 run up front would not be surprised to see the four run up front. Uh, Bristol is one of uh, Daniel Suarez's favorite tracks. I'm not sure exactly on his stats there. The eight car has been fast everywhere. Uh, also probably why a reason that you're going to see that driver, the 18 switch to the eight next season, mm-hmm. um, because the speed that that car has, uh, Austin Cindric every week specifically in qualifying has been showing up, mm-hmm. uh, with some speed. And I think that's just because team Penske as a whole has made some gains. Uh, they just need to find a way to maintain that speed throughout the race. Um, Austin Dillon, uh, shows up in big races. This is a, a big race. People sometimes, uh, especially guys like Brad Keselowski and other guys that have won it, uh, want to see the Bristol night race, uh, in that crown jewel discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you never know if that three car has some momentum here. Um, 
the 14 was good on the dirt. Uh, he's the one that ruined the race for Reddick on the dirt <laughs> earlier this season yeah, at Bristol. Yeah. I'm not sure if that car is going to be capable of winning. Maybe they're capable of sliding up there if some of these other playoff guys have some uh, some issues. Um, the thing that I'm that I'm seeing here, you know, is the fact that Chase Elliott he's made a little bit some more gains here um, compared to where they were at a week prior. Yeah. Um, but this is a guy that came in to the playoffs plus 35 or something like that mm-hmm. to the good. And they're entering this cutoff race and he's at plus 28. Um, now he can enter this next round, which I think he, he'll end up qualifying for the next round um, and then just go on a tear. But yeah. it's just been really surprising to see what's happened to uh, the nine and the five uh, at Hendrick who have been the strongest cars for them all year. Um to see what the 48 and 24 have put together in this first round of the playoffs. That's actually, they've been outperforming their teammates so far. So, yeah, you look at the, you know, Ryan and, you know, and Joey are right there next to each other also. And uh, I I really didn't point this out during the, the, the recap of the race, but um, the top Ford was the the 12 car was the 12. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, Ryan was the top Ford last weekend. So, you know, and he out, outpaced his teammates again. So, you know, they're both right there. They're the two Fords that all of Ford is looking at to hopefully advance from round to round to round. And, um, and like you said, uh, as we get to the round of 12 down to the round of eight, it's going to be harder and harder to get into those, uh, to those, uh, rounds without a win or without some huge points days. So, um, right now, another, another solid night. Uh, would be great and get ourselves to that uh, the round of 12. Yeah. So um, let's jump into that. Let's jump into the, the kind of our mini preview of the upcoming race uh, this weekend. It's going to be on a Saturday night. Keep that in mind mm-hmm. uh, for the Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. The only time we're going to be there on the concrete this year. Uh, you can tune in at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on USA on TV and on PRN this week in Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Um, we're going to have some practice and qualifying on Friday afternoon slash evening. And then the race is going to take place on Saturday night. Um, Ryan is uh, Bristol's probably one of his favorite tracks. The statistics aren't exactly there. He's led a ton of laps there over the years in 12 starts. He has two top fives, five top tens, two DNFs. Um, he's led laps. Uh, I'm just going to go down hundred laps, 121 laps, 158 laps, 60 laps. And then in the, uh, the fall race last year, the night race, 45 laps led at Bristol. They just haven't been able to really put a complete race together. Um, he did finish fourth in that race, uh, last year that he led 45 laps in he's won a truck series race at Bristol. He's won an Xfinity series race at Bristol. I think it's time to get the trifecta here and, and add a cup series victory to his resume. And it would be the perfect time to do that. Automatically lock into the next round, finally pick up that first elusive victory of the season and just go into this next round with a ton of momentum. Yeah. uh, The Xfinity win was super because it was a restart right next to Kyle Busch and he beat Kyle Busch on the restart and then held him off for the win. Um, I love Bristol. Uh, I know you're going to Bristol. There'll be another uh, team Blaney uh, sighting at Bristol this weekend. Um, and the, the racing is incredible, uh, especially under the lights. 
places usually a sellout, 80,000, 90,000, whatever it is in there and other lights and too wide and just craziness. Um, hopefully, like I said, hopefully everything is, you know, just stay out of trouble. That's the same thing that that's kind of been the sentiment the first two weeks. You know what? Maximize the points that you can get, stay out of trouble, and we'll be on to the next round. Um, I think we're in good shape this week. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And and like you said, uh, I think if he gets himself up front, uh, he'll be he'll be in good shape. I think this is one of those weeks where we might be traveling during practice, uh, so I might need to get some updates. Okay. But um, a lot of eyes are going to be on practice i've heard a lot of rumblings this week you know this is the first time the next gen car is going to be at bristol on the concrete um they haven't been on a short track this high banked yet uh the other previous short tracks this year have honestly been pretty lackluster um maybe richmond was maybe a little bit better than old richmond uh which is great for that but it still wasn't you know an amazing race i've heard a lot of people i don't want to say concerned but they think the speeds are going to be really high actually with the next gen car. Um, so I think a lot of eyes are going to be on practice just to see what kind of times these guys are running, how these car ha- cars handle. Um, I want to survive practice. I feel like there's going to be some people that are going to learn some lessons in this practice and you might see some spins and uh, Bristol tends to uh, you tend to collect yourself all the way down into the inside wall sometimes. So um I'm hoping they're careful enough to keep their equipment together. I hope they can get a, you know, top 10 starting position. I hope they can get some really good stage points in the first stage and then let the cards fall as they may in stages two and three. And I hope that myself and the other Blaney fans that are going to be in the crowd at the night race have uh, something to cheer for by the time they get to uh, 500 miles. Yeah, or 500 that's... laps. God, not 500 miles. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I, the, the, you know, just hopefully, hopefully it's just a clean night, you know, mainly. And uh, who knows uh, what other people are going to have. Hopefully, don't want to be the middle of the controversy. There's always seems to be a controversy at Bristol with people running into each other and tempers flaring. And hopefully we're not in the middle of anybody else's controversy. Yeah, if you've seen any of the highlights or the, um, the advertisements for this Bristol race, um, everything centered on the the feud between which people I think have forgotten about the feud between Harvick and Chase Elliott mm-hmm. in the playoffs last year. Yeah. And this is the race, you know, Harvick slams his helmet down on the top of the car, his glasses go flying. He, he's talking to Chase and Chase has his, you know, his finger pointed in his face. Um, I, I hope to see some of that that are non Ryan related just because it makes things exciting. The crowd is just kind of electric when you're in a stadium atmosphere like that, that you aren't usually at, uh, a, a place like that when you're watching a NASCAR race. Um, one other thing that I wanted to mention to folks that are going to be uh, at the racetrack is that Ryan Blaney is going to be doing a driver Q and a on the fan zone stage for, with, with trackside live uh, at 3 PM on Saturday. So if you're a Blaney fan, you're going to be at Bristol. Um, if you want to say hi, myself and my wife are probably going to be in attendance, at least for that, that portion of the Q and a session with Ryan. Um, a lot of tracks that we've been to recently, he hasn't been, necessarily out in the in the midway uh or the fan zone doing q a's i think he has some other other obligations but in this case uh, joey right before him at 315 and then ryan at 330 are both going to be on the fan stage at bristol uh so you have an opportunity to see ryan uh catch some pictures or something before the race 
So I think, again, if you want to catch this race, the Bass Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol Motor Speedway this Sunday, seven or sorry, this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on the USA Network on TV, and then with PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Steve, we are deep into, not deep into, but a couple of races into the playoffs, uh, and that's an exciting time for us with the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Um, all of our picks had pretty much reset. So we had five fresh uses for drivers. I know you kind of started out of the gate on fire. Um, I didn't do, I thought I had a, a pretty decent team last week. I thought I had an amazing team this week. And honestly, I'm going to go through that team that I had set up for this uh, past week at Kansas. And I don't know how I thought for sure I was going to be top five, top 10. Maybe I could, I could win the points this week. I started, uh, actually had Ryan in the garage. Um, and I remembered, I was really proud of myself. I had Tyler Reddick as a starter and I thought I was looking smart because Tyler went up there and took the lead immediately. Uh, then he hit the wall and I was like, Ooh, I have Tyler in my lineup. I'm going to go take Ryan out of the garage. Um, so I did the basics of fantasy, everybody <laughs> congratulate me. Um, so I had Ryan Blaney got me 39 points, Logano, 25 points, Larson, 33 points, Chastain, 34 points. Uh, and then my, I had Bubba Wallace, the race winner who uh, got the most points on the day for anybody, 53 points. And then I did pretty well in the featured matchups. I had Suarez over Jones. That was right. I had Hamlin over Kyle Busch. That was right. Uh, I had Elliott over Larson. That was wrong. But then I had Blaney over Logano and that was right as well. So three out of the four picks there. And I thought I picked up a ton of points with my lineup. And I think I ended up with 215 points, but that wasn't enough to crack the top 10. Yeah, I did. Um, let's see here. Uh, Logano, Byron, Riddick, Bell, Bowman. And of course I wasn't paying attention to, you know, once again, uh, cause I could have swapped Riddick out and gained like 30 some points. Cause I had Ryan in the garage actually. Um, so oops on that. Um, I had uh, Suarez over Jones. I had Hamlin over Kyle. Um, I had Kyle Larson over Chase. Joey was the only one I lost there. I had I actually had Joey over Ryan. So I, I pretty close there to all the points that, that I could gain there, um, but not bad. And overall, I, you know, sure. I want every week now with, we've reset to, to gain as many points as I can, but I'm also looking at that overall. I'm trying to get myself back to the top 10 by the end of the year in the overall too. Um, which I think I can do. So let's take a look at the standings and we have three lists to go through. So bear with me. Um, we're going to have the, the list of top 10 in points earned at Kansas. We're going to have the list of the top 10 in the playoff standings. And we're going to have a list of the top 10 in the overall standings. Uh, so just worth mentioning here there, I finished uh, 15th, uh, a three-way tie for 15th in points earned with 214 points at Kansas I'm happy to say that you finished 34th in points earned with 192 <laughs> points, but again, 192 to 214, that's not that big of a thing there, but that's a, you know, 15 or, you know, 16 place difference there. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, as I said, let's look at the top 10 in points earned for the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league at Kansas speedway in 10th, ah, 723, 227 points. Uh, tie for eighth, our friend Stellanarius, and no hesitation, 228 points. Seventh, B-Ride 12, 232 points. Sixth, Angie 12, 234. Fifth, Go 12, Go, 235. Fourth, Factory of Sadness, 238. Third, Moose, 16, 16, 240. Second, Blaney or Bust. And rounding out in the first position, Waterbug, 252 points and points earned at Kansas Speedway. 
Uh, let's take a look at the playoff standings. Uh, in the 10th position, Joe Bro 1221, uh, one of our famous followers, 427 points. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're not, I'm, I should mention you, you're in the playoff standings. You're tied for 11th. So you just, just outside the top 10. I think you were in the top five three last points week, away. but you, yeah. you dropped what dropped down a little bit. Um, I'm, I don't even know if I'm on the, <laughs> I'm not even on the first list. So I'm not even going to go there. Oh, no, here I am. 19th. 19th. Sorry, not too bad. Yeah. 19th. You're, you're- 407 points one point behind the household uh, rival here <laughs> <laughs> yeah so again joe bro 12 21 427 points in 10th 9th rochi 12 428 7th frygal 12 431 also in 7th no hesitation uh six cheesehead fan 436 fifth blaney or bust 451 fourth factory of sadness 453 third go 12 go 456 Aw, seven two three is in second with four hundred fifty eight points, and with ten more points in the first position, Moose sixteen sixteen four hundred and sixty eight points. So that's the playoff standings for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. And even though we're in the playoffs, I like to go back to the overall league standings, and we do have a change at the top. Um, so in the tenth position, Moose Hunter nineteen sixty five thousand one hundred and twenty seven points, and ninth Blaney kicks beep. 5,129, 8th, Eric D15, 5,176, 7th, the Dalai Lama 4, 51,81, 6th, Rogue 51,92, 5th, JD Racing, 51,93, 4th, Factory of Sadness, 52,27, 3rd, the overall defending champion of the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, 5,260 points, and 2nd, she's been shuffled back here math mom four five thousand two hundred seventy five points and the new overall leader in the team blaney nascar fantasy live league is fry gal 12 five thousand two hundred and eighty four points steve you are in the 17th position five thousand twenty six points and i am holding down 25th four thousand eight hundred and seventy so i know it's a mouthful going through all of those lists but i want to make sure everybody that's involved in this and is keeping up with it and is having some great weeks are getting shout outs here on the podcast um so we got fry gal 12 leading the way in the overall standings we have moose 1616 leading the way in the playoff standings and uh the big winner this past week was Waterbug with 250 point 252 points earned at kansas speedway bristol Obviously, we just talked a little bit about the race itself. Um, probably going to have Ryan in the garage. I don't know if I want to start him. Might want to have the four car up there. I don't know what strategy will come into play any of this, but basically they don't have to worry about points. They just have to worry about winning the race. Uh, the 18, uh, Kyle Bush might be a little bit motivated. He had the news come out this week that he's going to drive for Richard Childress Racing, um, but he still wants to continue this playoff run in his last year in the 18 car for Joe Gibbs racing. So I think Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, I'm probably going to have Reddick in my lineup. Kyle Larson's another guy. Um, that's, that's one at Bristol before uh, I might have him in my lineup, Chase Elliott. He's good at Bristol. Uh, the good thing is you, with that reset, you have a lot of guys to choose from that are really good that maybe you didn't have the opportunity to use uh, just a few races ago. I, I think Joey, uh, Joey and Ryan are the actual combo. I think the Fords are going to show up this week a little, little stronger than they have in the last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, I think Joey and Ryan have what it takes to both win this race. 
All right, Steve. So that was our recap of the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. But now I think would be the perfect time for us to welcome Leah Reeves to the Team Blaney podcast. Leah is the daughter of National Sprint Car Hall of Famer Dale Blaney and the cousin of Ryan, Emma, and Aaron Blaney. So Leah, welcome back once again to the Team Blaney podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, I think the last time that you were on with us was leading into uh, the Top Golf charity event that the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation was putting on. Uh, so you came on as a representative of the foundation alongside with your cousin. And um, that event also <laughs> seemed to be a pretty big hit. We got to attend that. And uh, you guys were definitely working hard that night, <laughs> we could tell. <laughs> yeah, but that was the last time we were on. Now I'm all alone, just me, myself, and I know Emma with me tonight. But that was a really awesome event for us. I raised a lot of money. I think people had a lot of fun. So it was good in many different ways. And I think that'll probably be kind of our big event that we have for the foundation, hopefully every year, maybe every other year. We're just trying to figure it out. But it was a lot of fun for us. And we made a lot of money for the for the cause. So I think hopefully we're trying to find a date next year to do it again. That would be I'll, great. I'm saving my I saved my outfit. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so I may have to update it, but yeah. <laughs> so obviously you guys don't have that much rest because you know immediately after <laughs> that event ends, then the annual Lou Blaney Memorial was the next thing that was kind of on tap. And that's something that's held every year at Sharon Speedway. Uh, obviously in honor of uh, the late, great Lou Blaney, uh, somebody that I know you looked up to and then one of your you know, treasured family members there. How did that event go off this year? And there's, there's a surprise to me, at least on the entry list uh, when it came <laughs> to the all-star races that weekend with your dad uh, taking part after a long time out of the car. I know. Yeah. It was a little bit of a surprise. He, he lived down here in North Carolina with me all summer. And so he and Dave were on the weekends working on their sprint cars. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to race. All right. Sounds great. So it was nice to see him back in the car. I, he had a really great weekend. I told him that's the most I've seen him look like himself in a long time. So I think he had a really good time. He enjoyed it. And that's all that matters to me. As long as he's happy and safe, I'll take it. So that was nice. And then, yeah, the Lublin Memorial was an awesome event for us again this year. It was held later in the year. Uh, They kind of brought back the Sharon Nationals over Labor Day weekend. And we didn't have the best crowd like we usually do. I feel like in July, we usually have a much bigger crowd, maybe because, you know, kids are back in school, uh, yeah. football, Labor Day weekend. There's a lot of stuff going on. But even with a smaller crowd, we still raised a lot of money. I definitely think it was probably one of our most profitable years yet in donations. So we made almost $25,000. I think it was just over 24 and a half. So all of that is going straight to the Alzheimer's Association to help with research, caregiving, all that good stuff. So the live auction, we had a cornhole tournament, um, a Lou shirt raffle. We just had a lot of different ways for people to get involved and to donate. And next year will be the 15th, which is crazy to think about. It doesn't seem that long ago that we lost him, but 
I think we're really going to try to make something big of it and really just celebrate him and his life and remind people why we're doing what we're doing. So it was a great event. And I think we probably already need to start hitting the ground running, getting ready for next year. Yeah. yeah I know I know people are crazy for like the t-shirts that you guys have put out this year, uh, the different ones and the tent itself is a big success. I mean, anytime anybody sees it, in any of the tracks now, it, it just draws a crowd, which is really cool. Yeah. It's been really nice having um, Patty at track with the tent. We've got merchandise of all sorts. I mean, from clothing to jewelry, hats, and then we always have information available at the tent. You know, if you need to reach out to your local chapter, get a hold of the Alzheimer's Association, or find your next local walk, um, we try to have information there available to everybody so we can help in some way. So, speaking of the Alzheimer's Association and the walks. So again, you guys, you guys have had the, the big top golf event, you had the Lou Blaney Memorial, and then now immediately heading into uh, the month of October, uh, that's the big month for the uh, Walk to End Alzheimer's, and the, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation is always very active in those, whether uh, it's at the walk that's held there in Charlotte, but, but you guys are actually outside of Charlotte, you have a new walk that you're participating in this year, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Watkins Glen, they have a walk on Saturday, October 15th, and someone at the track, I, I don't know who it is exactly, but they're very involved with the Alzheimer's Association, and the Alzheimer's Association reached out to us and was like, hey, this might be a great partnership, so we were able to get a hold of Watkins Glen and get a booth out there, we had the tent set up and everything, and so we're just kind of going to be supporting their walk in return of them supporting us. Uh, we're hoping to have a presence there. We're not sure if we're going to have anybody be able to make it, but we're working hard to Patty. She's near that area, but it just will depend what all we've going on, what all we have going on. So that's exciting. I think it'll be fun to do something a little different and, you know, hopefully reach people in a different area. And it was nice to have, our booth up there, but then we also have the Charlotte walk, uh, the following Saturday, October 22nd. So we'll have people there. I don't know that I will be there. I will hopefully have just had a baby. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about that time. So I'm, I probably won't be in attendance, but, um, I know we're going to have some people from the foundation there and walking and being a part of it. So I think we're really looking forward to it. Um, it's always a nice event and just another way to get involved and get people, get people out there and get them to know a little bit more. So, yeah. The Watkins Glen, that's actually at the track, correct? They're actually going to walk like on the track or around the track. In some yeah, way. I know it's at the facility somewhere. I'm not mm -hmm. sure what exactly like their little path will be, but mm -hmm. I do know that it is at the track somewhere. Yeah. And the, the Charlotte one is at the football stadium or the, I do believe it's at truest field. Yeah, right? That might yeah. be the baseball, that might the be baseball. the baseball okay. stadium. Okay. That's what it is. I thought I saw, saw a stadium there, but I wasn't sure which one. Yeah. Yep. Truest field. So yeah, okay. I think that's their, um, their baseball. Yeah. And all of that, that's right down in downtown Charlotte. So if anyone's familiar there from going uh, and attending the races or going to the NASCAR hall of fame, 
Um, I think there's plenty of parking and everything down there. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how people can get involved in these walks or even how they can maybe get involved on, on their own in an effort to support the foundation and then also the Alzheimer's Association itself? Absolutely. So if you go to alz.org slash walk, uh, they have all kinds of information. You can type in Type in Blaney if you want to be a part of one of our teams. We've got two, you know, the Watkins Glen and Charlotte. You guys can join that walk and raise money towards our team. Or they can find a local walk and create their own team. Or you can just donate to a walk or a team. So you don't have to participate, but it's always nice to get out there. And especially if you have someone in your family or you know of a friend who has Alzheimer's, it's nice to get out there and talk to people, see what resources they have available. So the Alzheimer's Association website has all the information. Um, There's walks all over the country, I think probably starting mid-September to the end of October. Um, And yeah, you can just hop on there, donate and join us in trying to support a good cause. Yeah, I noticed that there, there's a link there to join teams and on their website. And all you do is just type Blaney in and those two pop up right away. Yeah. Uh, just depending on what area you're in, you can just join one of those two teams. And like you said, you don't even have to go. You can just donate. Um, yeah. But uh, going will be a lot of fun. It's a Saturday morning usually. And it's, you know, just a couple hours to uh, walk around. And like you said, get to meet some people. And definitely it's yeah. a really good, a good time to make connections if you're needing connections on for that reason um you know whether it's caregiving or you're looking for help support or you know you think hey i might my family member might have alzheimer's you know they're just they have a lot of information and everyone involved in the alzheimer's association is just so kind so willing to help that that's what they're there for i know we've used them when my grandpa got alzheimer's you know they were a very heavy source that we relied on, um, as we were kind of learning how to navigate and what to do and how to best take care of him and take care of, you know, us as well. So they just have a lot of great resources and there's just tons of information on their website. They have a 24 seven hotline. So there's so much out there. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to them if you, if you need it, but We'd love to have you guys join us at a walk or at your own local walk. Like I said, they're all over the country. So near or far, you can get involved somehow. So again, the Watkins Glen New York walk is happening Saturday, October 15th. The Charlotte walk is happening Saturday, October 22nd. Uh, The first one being at Watkins Glen International and the second one being at Truist Field in downtown Charlotte. Uh, As mentioned, you can search for for Blaney on the website. Uh, the Watkins Glen Walk is specifically the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation team, and the Charlotte Walk is Team Blaney. Um, Leah, how else can people find out more about the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation? We've got social media. Uh, we have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So we are on all three of those platforms, and we are working on a website revamp. So hopefully that'll be, it's up and running, but we're working on getting it redone and having more information, new stuff on there. So I'd say look for that in the coming, coming weeks and probably maybe month and a half or so. 
you're going to put like a lot of the merch on there that you guys have made in the last couple of months, the, some of the stuff that's at the tent and so forth on there. Like- yes. Yeah. Our, um, our online shop is on hold right now. Cause we're working on getting new merch for fall, mm-hmm. Christmas, you know, the big holiday season coming up. So kind of just trying to find new things and give the people what they want, some new things out mm-hmm. there. So that online store should hopefully be up and running back in action uh, within the next week or so. And then as the weeks go, we're definitely going to have some more merchandise being put on there. So um, lots of good stuff to come looking forward to the next couple months, busy couple months, but um, all for a good reason. I never knew uh, how good I'd look in purple till I got that, that shirt at Indianapolis. Right. Like, yeah. Now I'll, I want to wear that shirt all the time. <laughs> purple spinning for everybody. It, did. it really works. <laughs> it is. And we've been seeing them. We've gone to several races since Indy and we've been seeing those, those purple 12 shirts uh, show up around the track and it's been yeah, different tracks. Were, it's been cool to see. They were big hits. So um, hopefully going to do some more things along those lines, some more purple things. Um, some more foundation items. So just trying to really expand and fit the wants and needs of the people who help support us and allow us to do great things. Well, thank you, Leah, for giving us your time on the Team Blaney podcast. And thank you for everything that you've done uh, in service of the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation and in support of the Alzheimer Association and all of your other causes. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for supporting us. Um, You guys are awesome. You always have been. So we appreciate everything you guys do to help support us and extend our reach and um, looking forward to what's to come. Well, Steve, I think that pretty much wraps up everything for this week's episode of the Team Blaney podcast. Again, thank you to Leah Reeves for coming on and joining us. And thank you to everyone who is tuned in and listening to this episode. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our very first episode that dives deep into our Blaney fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blaney and on Instagram at Team.Blaney. And finally, we want to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation, this organization championed by Ryan his family sports causes like the alzheimer's association and upmc sports medicine you can find out more about the foundation online at brianblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or really keep track with any of their active social media channels so for my co-host steve mez i'm adam rogers we'll catch you next time right here on the team Blaney podcast good night brussels good night dublin good night.